Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Blog Talk Radio. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that's bad, yep. wrong. I remember sitting there wishing I could just scream out loud and beg for help. But I knew if I did that, I would never see Mark again. This is the thing about real life. You can't experience the great things without the bad things. I felt like it would probably do better off if we didn't exist. And, um, you know, came up with a plan on, on how to end it. He talks about a seven-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if he's referring to actually an adult. So let's say we change that to an adult. You know, the woman shudders because the man keeps her even passionately. The fact is that he shudders. You do a big apology to me and give me my kids back. I'm still shocked by the evil. I, 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 yes, even to this day, when I see a video of a former friend or family member, I'm like, this is pure evil at work. Okay, welcome to another episode of Come Get Some Extra Scientology Edition. This is part two with Nathan Rich. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things going on in the world today that nobody comes here to hear, so I'm not, so instead of Given that temptation to just go off and go rant, I'm going to go ahead and get straight into part two uh, right here. Here it is. We left off. Um, we're talking about if Scientology is a religion or a cult. And uh, here we go. Well, yeah. And as I kind of get into with, uh, with Aaron, I mean, we're literally on there like looking up definitions. The, the, the problem with saying, is it a religion is, well, what do you mean by religion because depending on where you look it up, it has almost wildly different definitions. So True. you kind of have to go by what it is that you think of as a religion. What I think of as a religion, okay, is that it is people who are essentially um, giving their faith over in a you know in a in a handbasket to a um, set of ideas that they believe in and are not concerned about evidence that leads up to those beliefs, but rather that they believe those things and then they find evidence to support those things because they're true. Now, I realize that that's actually similar to um, how I was describing how I dealt with criticism. Um, And so it's not exactly that I'm talking about, I'm not really talking about criticism. I'm actually talking about the fundamentals of the belief. And so... This is where I feel differently than, than they apparently do about what the difference, in my opinion, about what the difference between Scientology and what I would call a religion would be. And so to me, essentially, if you are a Buddhist 
and you walk up to somebody else and you say, hi, uh, you know, did you know Buddhism is the way to go? Um, and then the other person says, well, why is it the way to go? Generally, you know, I would expect that the Buddhist is going to explain the truth of the universe to this person and then ask them to join in on that truth. And so a, a more clear example might be a Christian. If a Christian comes up to me and says, hey, would you like to be a Christian? Um, and then I say, well, what's that all about? Generally, they'll say, well, uh, here, here's a little pamphlet. And you look at the pamphlet, and it's, there is a God. And God had a son named Jesus. And Jesus said this. And you can be saved by this, and da 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 And you get to the end of this very short brochure, and you know exactly what the belief is. You right. know what the religion is. So either you choose... At basically at that moment, to let Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior, and now you are a Christian, and you are, you believe it, and you then, you know, experience the world through that lens, or you don't. But to me, that's not at all how Scientology presents itself. It's not how they, how they seek new members. It's not how they um, even interact with their members. Uh, Scientology does not say, hi, would you like to be a Scientologist? Oh, what's a Scientologist? Oh, we believe that you're a Thetan, that you're all-powerful. You've been around for quadrillions and quadrillions of years. Uh, we've all were originally godlike in our powers, and we've all done so much bad stuff to each other and to ourselves that we've eventually degraded ourselves into this you know, uh, horrible state that we're in now. And Scientology is you know, simply the steps to unravel all those quadrillions of years of um, uh, damage. And uh, would you like to come in now? They do not say that. What they say is, oh, you've heard a lot of crazy stuff about us. That's all just, you know, <laughs> uh, don't pay attention to that. We'll tell you the truth. And then you come in, and then they basically go, listen, all right, those guys are just, you know, crazy. Here, let me show you a file on Mike Rinder. He's a psycho, you know. And then they go, okay, look, let's just tell you what, what Scientology is really about. Will they do that? I mean, recruit it? They'll show you a file with Mike Rinder or somebody else? If, if you yeah if you, if you bring them up yeah they will wow. if you say hey I, I I heard something about Mike Rinder said this they will literally be like here let's sh let me show you about Mike Rinder <laughs> if I got Marty um, queued up for uh, some of these events sorry I imagine they probably have Marty queued up for some of these oh yeah I don't know <laughs> about that I don't know um but so so anyway and then when they finally say okay here's what we're about. We're about communication. You like communicating, don't you? We're about getting, you know, here's a book about uh, getting to, uh, you know, have a better family. Wh who wouldn't like to make more money? Here's a course on how to make more money. And they just sort of go, no, we're just practical stuff you can do day-to-day -day life. Yeah, we believe that you're a spirit. You know, we call it a Thetan, but, you know, it's pretty much the spirit. And they just make it this. Um, very okay. Uh, well, that doesn't seem so crazy. And then you you start to dig in a little bit, and here's where it really starts to to be different to me is that um they slowly start to introduce tiny pieces of indoctrination into even those early courses. So they're telling you things like you know, um, uh, oh, of course you're a Thetan. Here, uh, close your eyes, get a picture of a cat. Who's looking at the cat? Done. You're a spirit. You know, and, and you're kind of going, well, that seems a bit ridiculous, but the rest of the book seems fine. And you kind of get used to these small little like, oh, I'll just let that slide. 
And um, and so you're you're kind of getting indoctrinated into, and here's the key point, accepting evidence. You're indoctrinating yourself into accepting what they are presenting to you as scientific evidence. You're training your mind to also see that as scientific evidence, which is totally contradictory to how uh, religions, common religions work, in my estimation. I mean, literally 100% of every other religion I can think of works in the total opposite way. They, they never say, hey, um, yeah, I'll tell you about Christianity. Uh, let's see, what are we about? Hey, have you ever noticed that uh, you know, dark matter is so crazy? And you're like, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool, that's cool. Hey, let's help you, uh, you know, clean your room. We'll show you how to clean your room. And then they go, hey, isn't it kind of weird how, like, we don't know how life started? Like, we can go all the way back through evolution, and then we get to a bunch of mud, but, like, like why is there life at all? Oh, anyway, here's this great book about how to make money. Like, they don't do that. They just say, hey, God did this, FYI. Are you with us or not? And if you're with us, then we can look at the world with this lens and see how that fits into what we're, what we believe. You see what I'm saying? It's not yeah. based on originally based on the presentation of scientific quote unquote scientific evidence. It's based on let's believe this. And, um, and just to wrap this up, this is also one of the, my major beefs with Scientology as far as it having, um, tax exempt status is because, um, look, I, I don't care if, uh, if, if Scientology were a religion and Christianity is a religion, um, then, yeah, they should probably both have tax exemption. Except there's a big difference that really doesn't have much to do with if they're a religion or not, which is that when you give $100 to your Christian church, at the time that you're giving them that $100, you are totally entitled to understand and have full access to every single thing that that church represents and believes in. Every message that they're putting out, every word of God, every verse of the Bible, everything that they believe is known to you. You know what you are supporting. However, with Scientology, the entire time, it's the total opposite, the entire time that you are giving them money, all the way up to the very, very, very last step, you do not fully understand what you are contributing to. And once you get to that very end, it's too late. You've already dumped, you know, 500K plus US dollars into yeah. that, you know, quote unquote religion. And, you, you, and, and so my point is, if you're not, able it's almost like if you're not able to consent or able to agree with what they are espousing then you're kind of an ill-informed donator it's kind of like you're donating to a um, animal shelter for 10 years and then you find out oh no they're not actually an animal shelter they're some other kind of thing it's like well wait you know wtf give me my money back it, it's kind of that it's like well wait a second if we're donating to you then and the government is essentially paying you for that in by you know by way of not charging you taxes then certainly we should be entitled to know what it is that you're
actually believe in that you're intentionally obfuscating from us. Okay. No, I like your I like your reasoning there. I take it from a less uh, theological standpoint than some would. Like I'm not like you know I haven't really done a lot of research on religion as in general, but I I I, I guess I take a more simplified look at it that. Scientology, if you do the research and find the truth, is a known scam. You can't, in my mind, you can't ever call something like that a religion. To me, well, and, you know, this it, is yeah, subjective I mean, to each person. To me, a religion is something based on uh, something that people believe may have really happened that can't be proven or disproven. It may just as well be just as fake as Scientology, your organized religion, but it, most organized religions, if you go back and look, there's not a lot of negativity there. There's not a lot of destructiveness there. There's not a lot of fear-mongering there. And I think that's a huge difference. Well, I would say that um, there's... Uh, you know, sort of from a critical thinking perspective, there's some issues with that argument. So first of all, it, it's very easy to counter that argument. So if you were to say, for example, well, Scientology is a scam, um, well, I'd have to say, well, what do you mean by it's a scam? And then if you said, for example, I'm not saying that you said this, but let's just say you said, well, I can prove that, that L. Ron Hubbard copied, you know, I don't know, 50% or more of, of everything that makes up Scientology. Let's say that that's the claim. Well, then I could say, okay, well, um, if you look at, you know, uh, Mormonism, um, you know, most people that are not Mormons tend to think of uh, the origins of that religion also as a scam, like a, a more or less modern scam to create a religion. So does that mean Mormonism is not a religion? And I would say, no, I, I don't think it does mean that it's not a religion. Um, and the the sort of larger, larger, slightly more sort of you know, intellectual way to to combat that, I think, is that, well, the, the, the real problem there is that if all of the religions are real in that, in the sense that they're real religions, um, well, that's kind of a problem because if any of them are true, the maximum number of of religions that can actually be true is one. Like Christianity cannot be a hundred percent correct, and Muslim, uh, Islam is also a hundred percent correct. It's, they're not compatible with each other. So, in other words, what if one of them were correct, then all of the rest of them would have been essentially scams as well. And so, you know, kind of from a sort of mathematical sense, it doesn't really work out that way. Um, and then, as well, far as the, dis- the difference, how many of these organized religions? Or, or um, designed to, gosh, it's it's really it is a hard argument to make, but really most organized religions, not all, but most are very similar, and a lot of that can be taken from, and I make this argument all the time, the Bible is still written by man. So the Bible for each religion is still written by man. Nothing was written by the deity in question for their religion. Um, but I, I guess what I want to say is if all religions are not legitimate, 
even the one, say none of them are legitimate, I still think there's a difference between having a positive, good message and not trying to take you for everything you own and with people like Scientology and Jehovah Witnesses and other other recognized but not in many people's minds legitimate religions. Yes. Uh, yes, it does. And um you were breaking up but I but I did understand your question. Um I- am I coming in clear? Yeah, I got you. I might okay, have shaking so, my mic a little bit, sorry. Okay, so I think that you're you're First of all, I don't agree, disagree with your your feeling here. I, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not discounting that, but I do want to kind of take apart your argument a little bit because I think it's I, I, not critical, but I think it would be valuable if if everybody kind of um, saw a way which we can really have an answer to this question that that that, that does make sense. Uh, which I think my way does make sense, and I'm the the way that I'm coming from, you know, coming at this from, I think is you know what I would call defensible, meaning I, I think it so far stands up to counter arguments, um, and that's kind of how I like to look at these types of maybe not debates but questions. Um, so, like for example, when you say, um, you know. I mean, the the whole thing that you're saying together as a package, to me, makes sense. I get what you're saying. But I think that when you break it down to each part, it each part can be attacked. So, for example, you say that, like, you know, other religions, um, you know, are, are putting out positive messages and, and, and so on. Um, agree, generally speaking, that a lot of religions are currently positive, but... Uh, I would argue that a lot of the messages in the text is not positive. I would argue that, you know, uh, certainly historically that's not been the case. Um, so that part is a little bit, you know, uh, questionable. Well, like and I then said, I would say that... Like I said, I would always argue that every Bible is written by man. So man is not infallible. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so there's always a human problem, of course. Um, and then I would say that um, as far as the money goes, yes, Scientology is a lot more very, very much about directly getting the money from you. I agree. And that, that is a key difference. And Because even if you watch movies or you hear about in the news about, you know, um, you know, uh, like I, there was some tweet, the other day about some guy wanting his, you know, uh, his followers to buy him his fourth jet uh, or something for $50 million. Dollars. Yeah. 54. Yeah. You saw that. Yeah. So, yeah. so people, people will be able to compare those two and say, well, see, Christians are doing it too. But I agree with you on this point is that that's that a man, guy doing wait, wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. That yeah. man does not represent Christianity, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's exactly what my point is. Is that that's a man doing it in the name of a religion. The religion itself is not built around doing that, and that's a big difference. So Jesus Christ did not go around sparing change and then trying to like 
raise up money for his fourth, you know, castle. Right. Um, but Lafayette Hubbard did do that. He he did make Scientology uh, a profitable business basically as soon as he started it um, and has very, very much written specifically like in detail exactly how and why that's, you know, what it needs to be. And so I agree with you completely on that point. Um, and that is a good point. Um, and so I, I, I just, you know, I think that we probably are coming to a similar conclusion that it's, it's not exactly what we would call a religion, but I think we're coming at it from different angles, like you said. And the final thing that you said, I believe was that basically the point there was, you know, we we what we commonly think of as a religion is not what Scientology is, and on that point I agree again completely. Which is that, and this is where it comes back to what is the definition of religion, or even what is the definition of something. So, for example, when somebody says, um, "I could I, I could care less," right? Technically, they're saying they care, but enough people use it to mean I couldn't care less. And then they both mean the same thing. So, in other words, what we all consider something to mean, in some ways, is really sort of what it means. And when you say the word, I am, a, I am you know, I'm religious to somebody, they're not thinking that you're in Scientology. And so you're absolutely right. When you say the word religion to someone, they're not picturing a bunch of people wearing sailor outfits, going around, talking about, you know, clearing the planet and raising money so that their stats go up that week. And I agree with you completely on, in, in, in that sense as well. So anyway, so from my point of view, it is a cult in that it's, it's, it's very cliquish and very, uh, you know, exclusive and very um, closed off and, and also sort of, you know, weird beliefs very non-mainstream beliefs, which I think is actually a lesser part of the cult definition. Um, so I would agree that it's a cult, and I would not necessarily agree that it's a religion. In fact, I would say it's probably not a religion by most of the ways that I would consider something a religion. Right, and, and I think the definition of religion to each individual person is going to be a little bit subjective outside of a dictionary explanation. And the government. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. I said. Oh, sorry. I said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the government explanation for what makes a religion, which I guess speaks more, if you look at government text, speaks more to tax exemption status, is really silly, and you can't really go by that when thinking uh, on a spiritual level, in my opinion. But that's my opinion on that. Yeah, uh, with the tax exemption from the government point of view, I, I, I mean, I'm aware that the reason that they have it is probably very closely linked to all their lawsuits and harassment of IRS, yeah, yeah. et cetera. But if you, just, if you just look at the definition of a religion according to the government, it's actually kind of an interesting exercise because if you look at it, it is absolutely open to the widest interpretation possible, so much so that according to just the text, you could basically just show up and say, "Hi, I believe that we are all uh, we are all noodles, and I am a, I created a religion called Noodleology, yep. and I would like tax exemption." And according to what they're defining, 
then they have to do it. So now the question is, well, why doesn't everyone in the whole world, you know, everyone in the whole country just say they're, that they've created religion? And the answer is, I believe, that there is some level of them saying, okay, well, we need to make this practical, so how do we know if this noodle guy is, is a religion or not? And I think they just make a call of, are they actually serious, or is this a parody? And so the interesting thing here is, well, are Scientologists serious about what they believe? Yes. So there you go. As far as I know, that's all yeah. you really have to qualify for to be a quote-unquote religion under the IRS, you know, strict definition of it. So I can so Weird. I can totally see how lawyers could have won that battle. You know, it's like, well, we believe this stuff and we are serious, therefore we are religion. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you real quick before we get the uh, ten questions. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, one of the things you said. In the aftermath, was that one of your biggest regrets was that you didn't get to tell your mom that you forgive her. Now, listening in the Gear Talk on Aaron's podcast on his uh, YouTube channel, you know he makes a good point that people disconnect in all areas of life, so. I've even mentioned it. Like, there's people in your family, people in your friend circles, people close to you at one point. Do you eventually decide, I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore? And you avoid them. It, it happens. But is, is this a case in your mind where it's just circumstances that took that away from you? Or do you feel like Scientology took that away from you? Well... I mean, I saw his, I, I think that particular part of it, um, I don't think that I spoke about that specifically with Aaron. That's a, a good question. The thing is, uh, that comparison that he made there, I find it to be a little bit uh, disingenuous, I would say, because, first of all, disconnecting from someone in your normal life is not the same thing as Scientology disconnection right off the bat it's not even the same thing so yeah you, you we've all had that annoying friend or the annoying person that we're like all right i'm tired of that dude or that whoever i don't want to hang out with them anymore but yeah so yes that's quote unquote disconnection because they're out of your life but if you see them walking down the street and they come up to you it's not like you're gonna just uh oh oh oh, oh go. you know run oh yeah. there's that person I, I i cannot be around him or my peers will tell on me and i'll be going into sec checks and paying more money and getting, you know, interrogated or, or, or whatever. Like, I cannot further my progress to spiritual freedom if I associate with this person, right? So the comparing of the two is very strange to me. That's the first point. And then the second thing is that, um, you know, that's also not how it happens in Scientology. It's not that they go, well, this person is bad and negative, and so therefore I'm going to, you know, cut them out of my life. This is a coerced move where they're, you know, they've built up Scientology as such a valuable thing in their lives that now they have been indoctrinated to believe that, you know, people who are critical of Scientology or, you know, not members of Scientology even can be detrimental to their actual spiritual freedom forever. So it's not that, you know, it's, look, when my grandmother 
tried to get my grandfather into Scientology, which I also cover in the book. It, it was an ongoing thing. And eventually she drove him away from her, and they separated after 40 years of marriage because of, because of this issue, because she tried to get him into Scientology. Okay? The, she, her doing that was not because she just really wanted him to uh, you know, have the joys of Scientology. Certainly that was a, a small part of it. But it was actually because she could not go further in Scientology and be married to someone who wasn't a Scientologist and wasn't interested in it. And so um, it's a similar type of thing with disconnection. My family wanted nothing to do with me, not because I stole bubble gum and because I stole baseball cards and because I didn't make it in the Sea Org. That's not why. And it's not normal, and you don't see that in Christianity or, you know, uh, uh, Islam or uh, a secular people. You don't see entire families disowning somebody because they stole bubblegum and, and drank alcohol one time. So when he compared – now, in his defense, he hasn't seen my episode. He hasn't seen any of the episodes, and I do kind of get what he's saying a bit, but I think his wording was too loose. And I think that the comparison is unfair. Right, so to answer the question, you would say you definitely blame Scientology for that. Well, I mean, in, in, in short, in you know, in in sort of spoken language, I guess I would, you could say that. I, I don't really like to say I blame them, but yeah, right. I would say that that they were they were the reason that it happened. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Again, I, that, that, that word person. blame for me is kind of a charge, but yeah. I guess yeah. you don't like the No, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, but look, if, if Scientology wasn't part of my life, would they have disowned me? No, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to get, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but just to say, generally speaking, I disagree with the tone, the idea, the, the, the whole delivery, and maybe. Maybe he misspoke in some way, but he seemed to really, in my opinion, um, demean a lot of experiences for a lot of people, and then I didn't like that too much. Um, but again, I feel like he's got a whole different way of processing his experiences versus, say, yours or somebody else's. So, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this a little bit on, on uh, the interview with Aaron, but essentially my view of the guy, you know, I've never met him or anything, um, is that he's a technical, he has a technical mind, and I work in a technical field. I work with teams of technical people, and I have been working with technical people now for, you know, 10 years or, or more. And they're not the they're not the most sensitive bunch and they're not the, the greatest at, you know, dealing with emotions and, and other people talking about other people's experiences in general. And I'm not saying that's an excuse for him or even that this affects him, but because of that, I'm kind of a bit used to that a little bit. And so I'm okay. I'm a bit okay with him taking the mechanical approach to things, but I also clearly see that, Hey, that's can be viewed as offensive by people. I mean, that that's, especially people that are really, really still going through stuff and to have yeah. somebody kind of be like, you know, just get over it. You know, it's, it can be a little much uh, I, for sure. Well, a good point to make might be that 
some of the people who've been complaining for 20 years, for 15 of those years, they've been screaming in a vacuum. And this is the first time ever that people are actually listening as much as they are. And, and that makes a difference, I think. Yeah, that's a really great point. I mean, and, you know, look, when I was, you know, when it was 1999 and I was walking around trying to tell people what happened, no one knew what Scientology was. No one knew L. Ron Hubbard, Dianetics, the Sea Org. They, they, I didn't even, you know, I was saying words like invalidate. They didn't know what I was talking about. And so, um, you know, sorry if I continue to talk about it now that, like you said, people are actually listening and people want to bring up the issues and discuss it. Uh, but, you know, exactly, you know, you had a, just a really great point, which is you don't get that release. You don't get that um, emotional healing by talking about a bunch of stuff that nobody understands and nobody wants to listen to. That doesn't make you feel better. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I think we are on the same page there as far as that's concerned. I, I Look, I understand now why Aaron's done like 500 videos with you with 6,000 hours. Yeah, I could talk to you all day. Um, but uh, what I'm going to do now because I know you're running low on time. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do 10 questions. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, shoot. Okay, so 10 <laughs> questions with Nathan Rich. Uh, number one, it seems like since you've lived a life of crime, as Scientology says, you ran off to China. But seriously, why are you in China now? Why China? Oh, wow. That, uh, that, I could do 10, 10 hours of that discussion, oh, so I'll geez. just keep it as brief as I can. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it, 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 I came here originally for business, um, and I fell in love with the country, and I decided to stay, uh, and I've been here ever since. And, and, and you know, uh, that was several years ago now. So I just love the country and the people and the food and the culture and the experience. And uh, there's nothing to do with running away from anything. I, I go back to the U.S. usually about once or twice a year. Uh, but, no, I, I just, you know, I got a good uh, good life out here, and I'm, I'm loving it. Oh, good. I'm, I'm happy. Happy for you on that. All right. Uh, true or false, American's version of Chinese food is an insult to Chinese food. Uh, short answer is it's true. Uh, okay. The longer answer is really fascinating, I think. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it sometime. <laughs> Did I see you were eating bamboo worms the other day? Is that is that actually a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, out here I've had things that, that uh, the previous version of me would have vomited just thinking about. I mean, I've, I've, I have personally eaten... Pig brains, sheep brains, duck brains, duck tongue, chicken feet, pig intestines, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, uh, bamboo worms, donkey, cat, uh, cat? on and on. Uh, it, it, yeah, like uh, a feline, yeah. Oh, 
I posted about that on my uh, Instagram, and I think it was on Facebook, too. That was kind of an accident, actually, but it happened. <laughs> I didn't know it was cat. I didn't know it was cat when I was eating it, and then they told me afterwards, and I was, like, at a, at a family dinner, basically, so I couldn't, oh. like, retch, you know, like, retch all over the table. Right. I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> thanks, uh, great. You're a cat lover, aren't you? But, yep. Yeah, yeah, I have two cats. They're uh, they're trapped in the bedroom right now, so they're not meowing all over the uh, the conversation. But they're very cute, and uh, I'm with them all day, every day when I can. All right, moving on to number three. You spent some time in Clearwater, and you just came back to visit for the aftermath uh, event recently. What's the best part of Clearwater to you? What do you like about Clearwater? Um, well, I'd say the people obviously but i mean that's kind of a lame thing to say because everywhere has people but i i really liked everybody out there i thought it was really cool uh the city itself i found it to be you know very clean um kind of upscale sort of it was just a nice peaceful environment it, it was it was kind of sleepy and you know not many people but, but then again i'm coming from a city with uh around 35 million people in it so you know <laughs> everything's tiny compared to here yeah, I, I enjoy clear water. All right, so as far as eating food, number four, you prefer Chinese, Indian, or Italian? Uh, real Chinese food in China is is really amazing, so I'd go with Chinese. If I were in America, I would go with uh, with Indian over those two. Okay, all right. Yeah. Number five, what's it like to be able to reach the top shelf? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like the scab, well, it's, it's nice short. because <laughs> yeah, it's nice because I can hide things uh, where you know my girlfriend can't get to them. But it's kind of a burden as well because I always have to get up off the couch and go you know help grab something. But you know it's it's got its advantages and disadvantages. It's hotter up here for one. What's your average hours of sleep? Oh, so sleep and me are we're not good buddies. I, um, I would say, yeah, I would say just a little bit of historical context. I was a heavy sleeper my entire life until until I was on the streets. So but until about seventeen after the ranch, and then I was kind of a medium sleeper. And now I'm the light. Sleeper, so I have to sleep with uh, earplugs and the mask. And even then, generally, I can't sleep at night, and I have to take like a sleeping pill sometimes. And then usually I'll still just wake up at odd hours of the night, 5:30 in the morning, tired, and then I'm tired all day and whatever. So, long story short, I, I usually get around seven, six, seven hours a day, good. and most of that's oh. not really good. So you're up and down. Yeah, but it's not good quality sleep. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm always tired, basically. Okay. Number seven, true or false, David Miscavige is a coward. Uh, is a coward? Yes. Um, hmm. Is a coward. Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could characterize him that way because the thing is, you know, if you've seen him on TV, he's just doing the standard Scientology cop-out, lie-ish 
BS uh, yammering, okay, that doesn't seem that cowardly to me. I mean, it's cowardly in the sense that you're hiding everything, but at least you're out there, sort of. But it's like now he doesn't even go out there. So it's like now you're not talking to anyone even enough to try to lie to them. <laughs> you know, it's like at least try to have a conversation Absolutely. and defend your position. I mean, if you know, and this is maybe the reason that Scientology and I didn't didn't work out so well is that if I were still a Scientologist, this conversation would be me trying to convince you with logic on why Scientology was real. It wouldn't be me, you know, going, oh, this connection that never happened. I would be having real, actual conversations. And what I always wonder is, where are the Scientologists doing that? You know, and why is, why, why is David Miscavige not out there saying, look, I believe in this, and I know there's some stuff that, you know, you guys don't agree with. Let's talk about it, you know? So, yeah, I think you could say he's a coward. <laughs> if you ever heard the opening to my show, I talk about that. <laughs> the the uh, intro. All right. Number eight. You and Tara became pretty close after being on the ranch. Describe Tara in three words. I would say she is rugged. Uh, she, in, in the sense that she, oh, sorry, three words. Rugged loving and uh damaged so in other words she she's been through a lot and she has somehow survived she really loves her daughter and her family she's like just over the moon about them and she's clearly has you know been damaged by a lot of this this stuff that's happened to her yeah just real quick just something you you said earlier in this interview that i want to go back to about uh how you know when she talks, she's telling the truth. I've talked to both of you personally, and I can say that uh, just very genuine. Everything's very genuine with you guys. So, definitely. Okay. Number nine. Thanks. Yeah. What, what's one thing since you've come out uh, speaking out about Scientology and you know, starting your great life in China? What is it, one thing you haven't done yet that you'd still like to do? Oh, boy, the one thing, huh? <laughs> there's a lot I'd like to do. Well, just um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah. I think when it, if it's in the context of Scientology and that in my story, I think that I would really, and I, I probably shouldn't even talk about this because I don't want to jinx anything, but I would really like to make a movie about uh, myself or uh, just a kid or some, something like that in the ranch. I mean, I would prefer myself, but I don't want to be too sort of, you know, uh, egotistical, but, you know, I, I know my story the best. And so I would just, I would die a happy man if there was a quality film out there uh, documenting and just dramatizing the, 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 the whole experience. I think it's a, 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 an interesting you know, story, uh, and I think it would be it would do well, and I would just be so happy if I could get that going. Maybe based on the book. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know it's in the works still, but do you have a title for it yet? I have a bunch of title ideas. I don't ah. have a title yet, and that is, uh, yeah, I, I can't. 
talk too much about the titles, but I will say that it's going to be it's going to be a book that is um, it's covering the span of how you know how I grew up, how I viewed everything, how my mother viewed everything, conversations we had, how do we describe this, how do we learn about this, and how did I eventually go to the ranch? And, and it's just everything from my point of view, and it's told in a way that's you know it's a, a bit on the conversational side a little bit, and that I I try to explain what it's really like in a, in a very long format where I have the time to properly sort of describe these things and get the ideas across. And it kind of builds up to, um, you know, the homelessness and, and then also goes into in depth of sort of how I was able to get out of that situation and slowly build my life into a career and some level of normalcy and kind of what was motivating me at different times of my life and what did I care about. And, and so it's not, it's not necessarily like, Oh, it's my life story because I, you know, I don't cover my whole life. I'm not dead, and I don't talk about a bunch of stuff that's sort of non, not, you know, not related. It's more of like a story about what I went through to get where I am now, and I and I think it's inspirational um, and and educational. And I think it's entertaining as well. So um, I'm still working on it. I have a friend from work currently has the latest draft of it. I have sent. Uh, the second to latest draft now um, to Mike Render and Leah Remini. So they're kind of checking it out. They're busy right now doing the, the next season, but they're checking it out as well. And so it's getting closer and closer, and I think that people are going to like it, and I think that people even that aren't inside the scene are going to like it. Um, but as far as titles go, there's a lot of good ones for it, and uh, – and a lot of them won't make sense unless you read the book. So I'm thinking about either doing that type of title where you're like, what the hell kind of title is that? And then you read the book and you go, oh, right. Or something a little bit more grabby and descriptive. I'm not sure exactly yet. All right. Very good. That may make a good movie. And uh, when I do a lot of times on number 10, I leave it kind of wide open. Is there anything else you want to say? Any messages you want to send out to people? Anything uh Anything we didn't really cover that might need to be said? Um, yeah, I, I think we have kind of covered uh, some interesting ground. It's it's really uh, interesting to see how you think about stuff as well. Um, for me personally, I think that you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions, and I would really like it if. Um, you know, if we had more conversations, I, I love what you're doing. I I want to have you know be on more podcasts, have more conversations with people, um, and, and exchange ideas. And how, you know, how do I feel about it? How do you feel about it? Oh, that's interesting. You know, I like that kind of stuff. I I think it's great. So anybody out there that uh, that wants to chat chat me up, uh, let me know. And uh, uh, you keep doing what you do. You know, I'll be talking with Aaron, and I'm sure some more. And uh, you know, it's just great to have some, um, you know, uh, in-depth conversations. So I appreciate yeah. it. As with everything in life, every major issue—politics, religion, uh, cults, everything—it's uh, always important to have the discussion. Absolutely, absolutely. With yeah. all different kinds of Agreed. people, with all different opinions. Absolutely. All right, Nathan. Yep, I agree completely. 
thank you so much for coming on the show. Hang on the line for a moment, but uh, thank you, and hopefully we'll do this again. Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. All right, so that was Nathan Rich. I think we had a pretty healthy discussion there. I can't wait to do it again someday. Maybe we will. Um, and next week, coming back again for our new show uh, next Friday uh, with another great guest that I'm uh, becoming a very big fan of. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, until then, stay connected. And that about sums it up. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that's bad, yep. run. I remember sitting there wishing I could just scream out loud and beg for help, but I knew if I did that, I would never see Mark again. This is the thing about real life. You can't experience the great things without the bad things. I felt like it would probably do better off if we didn't exist. And, um, you know, Ted came up with a plan on, on how to end it. He talks about a seven-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if he's referring to actually an adult. So let's say we change that to an adult. You know, the woman shudders because the man keeps her even passionately. The fact is that he shudders. You do a big apology to me and give me my kids back. I'm still shocked by the evil. I, 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 yes, even to this day. When I see a video of a former friend or family member, I'm like, this is pure evil at work. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.